0: The hunters to lay down their guns. Tell them that the tiger needs a little bit of love. Let them run the jungle, let them roam their land. Then stand back and marvel what a beautiful cat. Cause I saw a tiger. I understand. Well, I saw a tiger. A tiger saw I can give him a home. Welcome back to Killer Queens. I'm Torella. I'm Tori. And this is Tiger King, episode five Make America Exotic Again. Was it exotic before? It sure wasn't exotic enough. Well, that's true. Okay. Yeah. So make America more exotic this time. Yes. Do it right this time. Give America tiger-themed sex lube again. (laughs) Exactly. For him and for her. Yes. Trick everyone into thinking that you are actually singing your music and that you also wrote it again. Yeah. So I have been, just as a side thing, I've been listening to that uh, podcast that I told you about, Popcast. I think it's just called Popcast. Um, I think it is too. And they, on their Patreon, they're doing Tiger King also. And I've been listening to it because I, <laughs> this is just one of those things that like, I'm watching it, I'm covering it, we're talking about it ourselves. I'm listening to the podcast for outside information and like i'm listening to them cover it too because it's just fucking hilarious like i don't know it's one of those things that like you could hear a lot of different stuff on it and be fine with but they were oh no now i forgot what i was gonna say uh <laughs> i already forgot <laughs> what was the thing you just said we just said about the loop oh um, tricking everybody said about- into singing your music okay so the guy on it knocks um because it's I don't know if it's I don't haven't listened to a lot of their episodes, but there's two girls, Jamie and Aaron on the Tiger King ones and the Knox. And so they were talking about the music and how, you know, Joe's not actually singing it. And Knox was like, "Okay, well, if you're a dum-dum and you need somebody to explain that to you anyway, just like goofing off about it or whatever. But because. Oh, oh my (laughs) God. I know because I was like, it really can't be him like it's. I don't know. But what I did was like, when I heard him, I was like, well, that's clearly not him because his voice is like, you know, it's like not good. <laughs> but, but there are plenty of people whose singing voices don't sound like their talking voice. And also, Ozzy Osbourne. I know. I mean, if he can s- sing, yeah, like a regular person who hasn't smoked all his brain cells away. Well, yeah. And he talks like a record that's perpetually on skit you know like it's like catching you know like Mm -hmm. okay well no 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 no. like is he ever going to get going in the sentence i don't know yeah so he already forgot where he is yes he he is but the thing is about joe exotic specifically is yeah did i am i that can i really be that surprised that it wasn't his singing voice no but did my heart want it to be his singing voice yes Uh a thousand times yes and A it just hurts times, my feelings. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because it would have been awesome. Like, it would have been pretty fucking awesome. Be like, yeah, that's this is me, but I can sing. You know, like you root for the underdog. You want somebody who's that trashy to just have like one redeeming quality. And that would have been it. But it just didn't happen. Yeah, Joe. That's all. That it doesn't have the redeeming qualities we were hoping for. I also heard that what he did was he was apparently like commissioning custom music for his YouTube channel thing or or something. He was commissioning custom music. And so he reached out to the guy who is actually singing and they made the songs for him or whatever. And the guy was like, I had no idea he was going to Milly Vanilli it. I thought he was just going to play it because Joe was like, you'll get tons of exposure on my YouTube channel or whatever. And the guy's like, okay, fine. He was like, I didn't know he was going to make it like he was singing it. Like he thought he was just giving him music. Like, well, yeah. And I read some, it's silly. Who knows? I don't know. It was on IMDb on the trivia part of IMDb for Tiger King. Oh yeah. And the two guys, so the one that produced it and then the one that sang it and they wrote it, but, Joe would just come in, apparently, with just a loose idea for a song, and then he might sing on the background vocals, but they didn't know that he was... Yeah, like you said, he was going to record videos of him full-on acting like he's the one who was singing everything. <laughs> uh, but that is... That right there is the definition of Joe Exotic. Exactly. He does not give a fuck. He doesn't... Ca- like... Nor most people would be like up front and be like, look, I want you to record a track and I'm going to make videos like I'm singing it because obviously you don't want to blindside somebody with that. Or if you're going to lie about it, I guess you'd hope to God the guy didn't find out about it, but he doesn't give a fuck either way. He doesn't care if he finds out right. about it. <laughs> He's just like, what? No. Yeah.
1: Yes, he has no doing it
0: right in front of his face and like on friends like well i said it loudly (laughs) yeah like howard says in one episode before this i don't remember which one it was now and we probably talked about it then but he said lying to joe exotic is not a question of ethics and it's not there's That's the thing about Joe is, a lot of people in the documentary, I think, but especially Joe is, I mean, he is a known liar. Like, he'll Mm -hmm. lie about anything and it doesn't matter. So. Well, and he'll get caught in a lie and then continue to lie. (laughs) Like, yes. The jig is up, man. And he's like, nope, 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 nope. That never happened. That wasn't a sheep. It was a tiger. Exactly. (laughs) Look, America might be stupid enough to think that that's his voice, but we know the difference between a sheep and a tiger. Don't come at me like that, Joe. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So episode five is, uh, interesting at, in the very least. So the first thing that we see is Doc Antle, um, hosting a birthday party with chimps and he's, you know, he's just doing it for the social media, like fluff, um, he was talking about how their social media account was growing by the millions at that point that like millions of people were following him every day. Didn't he say like, I think he said either day de- every day or every week or something, yeah, but it was in a short like amount that. of time, which I'm like, really? Yeah. Think- it's like, yeah. Day over day or week over week or whatever. He's just getting more and more people. And this episode is really Jeff Lowe heavy, which sucks. Cause he sucks, but that's his name, right? Jeff Lowe. Yeah. Okay. So Joe is just talking about how the zoo wasn't the same anymore, that Jeff conned everyone because he's jealous and he says he's a little man with a little dick. Okay. And a limp and he's bald and he has to pay everybody to have sex with him. There's a lot going on with Jeff. Oh, yeah. Um... Yeah, Joe has some notes. But the thing is, it's funny the way that it was edited because Joe saying this on it's a call from prison. But then they show video of Joe walking and he's very much got a limp. Um I don't know about the dick. I don't know. I mean, he seems like he's got a lot of hair, but it's like, well, are we in is this it's like glass a stones and glass houses type of situation. I'm like, ooh. Are we in a position where we could judge? I don't know. Well, yeah, and I don't think that Joe outright pays people to have sex with him, but he certainly gets them addicted to drugs and then supplies them with drugs in order for them to keep having sex with him and buys 100%. them and controls them. So, but Joe is very much like like a teenage girl in high school, like it, that's not even what it's about. Like nobody asked What if, I mean, I enjoy the information that he gave, I guess. Like, I'm glad he said it, but because it's that the drama, right? But like, Joe's like, well, yeah. And also, he one time didn't pay for a smoothie that he got at Smoothie King and all this stuff. And it's like, where did this even come from? Why are you like talking about this? He just says the most random stuff about people just to tear them down. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he's got to, if somebody makes him feel bad, he's got to make them look worse. So, Saf, I feel like Saf and John Ranky are, well, and John Finley are the three people, uh, Eric Cow, I don't know. I guess there's a few that, like, I feel like are more level headed about stuff. And I feel like would just, are more honest, more reliable. And I think that you have to, like, take that with a grain of salt, though, because there is a certain level of, bat shit crazy that you have to be like the baseline to to be into big cats and work at zoos and have your arms ripped off and things like that. And I don't mean any disrespect by it. I'm just saying like it's we got to look at the whole picture here. Like, yeah, they're level headed for this documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But go ahead. Oh, yeah. So Sav said that once Jeff came onto the scene, Like the whole dynamic changed. The only thing that Joe cared about anymore was Jeff and his opinion. And she's like, Jeff didn't help do the dirty work. Jeff didn't clean cages. He didn't feed the cats. He didn't check in customers. He didn't do anything. And John Ranky said that Jeff fired half the people when he took over the zoo. And then he hired a guy named Alan Glover, who was Alan Glover. Who's a nasty, scary, rough, hard man. Was that what John said? Or is that your word? No, that's what I said. Okay. And <laughs> no, that's what I said. Yeah. It's, I, it's I, accurate. I like, what, what are all of the things that... What are words that could describe Alan Glover? And they're all bad. Yeah. According to me. They... Their dynamic... I guess we'll actually get into it in a little bit. But I don't know. We'll, we can just go ahead and say it here. But... Their dynamic, Alan and Joe's dynamic, is just as bad as two teenage girls yeah. fighting over something. It's like, because Jeff is, like, kind of laughing about it like it's funny. And he's like, yeah, Joe would ask him to do something. And if he thought it was stupid, he would be like, fuck you, Joe. I don't work for you. I work for Jeff. It's like, okay. Well, even if, even if Jeff now owns <laughs> it and Joe is still kind of running a lot of stuff. I don't know. There's a, again, there's a baseline level of respect you give somebody who's a superior, but but Alan didn't look at Joe as a superior. No, he didn't. And I'm sure Jeff was telling him like, he's not, you know, I'm sure there's some of that. I don't know. But it was just very much like, he started it. No, he started it. No, he did it. No, he did it. Like, yeah, it's the pettiness of it all was just ridiculous. Yeah, and it was about everything, everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yes, and there were, I mean, definitely, what's the right word? Um, threats against, I don't know. I'm sure Joe did, because look at what Joe has done. All he does is threaten people. But Alan definitely was like, man, I," you know, because Jeff said at one point that he... Alan would be like, ugh, I just want to drop this chainsaw on him and stuff like that. Called him Goldilocks, bitch, which I enjoyed that one. <laughs> that was actually clever, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Goldilocks, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 There's that. So, this is where we talk more to this James Gerritsen guy. And when you talked about him in the first episode, his haircut, because he literally has one sentence in the first episode, I think, and that was it. And so, when you mentioned him, he was such a f- like fleeting moment that I didn't, I couldn't recall him based on his name or anything. Now, well, and you probably couldn't I remember him, you couldn't bask in the glory of that awful bob haircut that he has here's my question if he's supposed to be this businessman who's like making a lot of money running all these strip clubs running all these businesses his like lower third is businessman i'm like okay um he cannot afford a haircut i'm confused about the haircut like those strippers could point him in the direction of a good hairstylist Somebody. Somebody should. Nobody cares about him. That's the thing. Nobody is helping him out. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Although I guess he makes enough money that he can pay for any attention he wants because I don't know that he's getting it naturally, organically. But I mean, have we seen people who are in either a position of power or have a ton of money with bad haircuts? Yes. Yes, we have. Just because you have money and success, and I'm not saying that James Garrettson does, but if you do, it doesn't always equate style and fashion. They don't they're not they don't go hand in hand. Well it's the it's the money to hot matrix with dudes. It's like <laughs> exactly if your money is up here, your hot can go all the way down. You oh, need yeah. no hot as long as you have the money. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so James said he's been around big cats ever since he was 17. Because who are these people? Like, what? I don't understand it. Like, never. Yeah, he's never he... been around a big cat at the zoo. I've no. seen him. Right. But he bought a lion cub out of a Dallas newspaper when he was 17. That feels. Yeah. And he'd been friendly with Joe for a long time. Who introduced... He was very careful to use the word friendly. Like, he's like, no, I wouldn't say we're friends. We're friendly. Yeah. I knew him. We're friendly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then Joe introduced him to Jeff Lowe. And then they were also friendly together. Being friendly together. Yes. So, and he even gave them... He said Jeff talked him into giving them $14,000 to open up a pizza place in... The zoo. And I'm thinking, okay, that's a good idea. Like, how many times have you gone to, like, the zoo? I mean, this isn't a giant zoo like that. But it's like, you're walking, you're walking, you're walking. And then you're like, well, damn, I'm hungry. Like, I would like some lunch. I'm like, that's a great idea. <sighs> they, remember the Walmart trucks of the rotted, disgusting meat? That, that is 100% expired. Totally expired. <clears throat> yeah, that's where they're getting the meat for the, the pizzas, guys. Where is the health inspector? Maybe, maybe Alan Glover doubles as a health inspector. <laughs> Obviously,
1: I mean, yeah. we can't,
0: we can't. You couldn't use Eric Cowie because he's like, I like my shit rare anyway. <laughs> exactly. I don't care. So that's not going to work for us. Um, I'm terrified of eating anywhere now i'm like who runs this shit like anywhere that serves food to the public you're supposed to have a health inspector right so like i'm just very uh, uh, the meat that they were pulling off that truck i wouldn't have even given it to the animals no and they're phoenix people i know (sighs) okay so we know this about joe joe thinks he's he's the star he kind of is, right? I mean He is. He is. He, okay. I don't care what kind of okay, so Joe is a garbage person, right? That's just a fact. However, if you take a turd and you roll it in glitter, it's gonna shine. Well it has to. That should be on a t-shirt. It should be Or on something. A oh yeah. Because that's exactly what Joe Exotic is, is I've never heard a better description. He is a turd rolled in glitter. Yes, I love it. <laughs> but he, like, he's he's charismatic. You know, he, I don't think that people go there to see him; they go to see the tigers. But they leave, um, being grateful that they have seen him. Well, and they most definitely leave with some. Tiger printed lube as well. Well, sure. You're not going to leave without the lube. But the problem with that, though, was that Jeff wanted to be the star, too. So now Which is kind got- of strange to me, because obviously Jeff comes in with this, like, I think the word swagger is too generous, but he definitely has this thing about him that's very Jeff Low. But they don't really compare in my, you know, like to be like, oh, yeah, well, Jeff could totally take that place. Like, oh, I don't know about that. No, because here's the thing. We have to be honest with ourselves and we have to know Mm. what we bring to the table and what Jeff Lowe brings to the table is not stardom, not the same caliber that Joe brings. Because what what. Where Joe is a turd dipped in Sparkle, <laughs> Jeff is a turd <laughs> dipped in Ed Hardy, and that's not good. Right. Ed Hardy isn't helping anybody. No, Jeff Lowe is a turd that somebody put temporary tattoos all over. Exactly. And, and a really bad facial hair. Very bad. I mean... With, like, bandanas. Ugh, in the bandanas. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, be honest with yourself, Jeff Lowe. If you want to be the big star of whatever, you can't walk around looking like a 50 year old dude who lives in his mom's basement and spends all of his money on affliction shirts. Exactly. Cause those affliction shirts are not cheap. They They're might know they weren't very yeah. expensive. Like, I remember, like, when we used to go to the bar and stuff, and dudes would be dressed in that. Like, if any guy came up to me and was like, hey, can I buy you a drink? I'm like, ew, ew, ew. Not, no affliction, no Ed Hardy, like, none of that. But I'm like, you probably spent so much money on that shirt, it's ridiculous, and you look like an idiot. And oh, also, you're, you may as well have gotten a shirt that says, I am a douchebag. They're the same. At the very least, I mean, as bad as they are, they are very good indicators, you know, like, You don't even have to start a conversation. You already know what you're getting yourself into. So, exactly. I guess I'm thankful for that. Yeah. You know, we should look at the glass half full here. Yeah. How many conversations and, you know, like, did Ed Hardy actually save me from a lot? Yes. Thank you, Ed Hardy. We salute you. (laughs) I love it. Um, Okay, and then there's this. Tori, my jaw hit the floor. I, because I haven't watched ahead. I haven't listened ahead. I knew nothing about. I I had heard the phrase make America exotic again and I thought it was just a funny thing people were doing. I did not know he ran for fucking president. (laughs) I wish see, there are multiple times in this documentary because, like I said, this is my third go around with it. I wish I could men in black style just wipe my memory and just start it all over again because it this and I watched it by myself and then I watched it with my husband and now I'm watching it again for notes and things like that but I'm like oh I wish I could just relive this when I was like oh no oh no he did not I was like I was like Andrew Andrew is he is this (coughs) art this is a joke right like this is a joke and he was like Dude, I think he's fucking serious. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. Yeah. And John Ranky was felt the same way. He was he said he was floored. And Joe was like, but I have a chance to win. And do you know what? If he ran again right now, I guarantee you he probably would win. Yeah. Can you run from prison? Because he would do it. I don't see why not. Mm, Yeah. I mean, surely the White House can have meetings there. Exactly. I, now I, I remember not to get like political because I don't I don't want to. But just as a as a note, I remember when I first heard that Trump was running running for president, and I was like, "That's not real. That's not real." Like, right? He can't <laughs> win. Anymore. And then look where we are. But yeah, yeah. we we definitely because I remember. Uh, While watching this and taking notes on it, I was like, I do not want to get political on this podcast. Like, I don't. We just, I think, well, I know we both feel that way. We're the Dolly Partons of the podcast world. Oh, yeah. We're not. That's not what we're here for. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're here to be entertaining and look cheap, but we're not here to spew our views on politics because I'm in no way, shape or form. An expert, and I don't think that anybody needs to know what I feel or have to say about it. Exactly. Yeah. I just thought like I was, I just, I felt like I was right back there to like, is that, is this a real thing? And, but this even more, I'm like, are you, for sure. Well, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And he ended up on that John Oliver show, which I didn't know his name, but, um, well, we have been watching the TV show Community, and Steven, my husband, really likes John Oliver. He thinks he's hilarious. And he was like, oh, I love John Oliver. And I was like, oh, that's his name. Okay. Yeah, I could I could pick him out. Like, if, when I saw his picture, I was like, oh, that's who that is. Because um right. Yeah, I, I, like, recognize him, but I didn't know his name. And he was Zazu in The New Lion King. That was oh. his voice. Yeah. Um, but he was on that show. Like, they showed his character. <laughs> video where he's This was like, one of my favorite things. <laughs> uh, it, it's, yeah, it's my absolute favorite thing. He says, I'm not changing the way I dress. I refuse to wear a suit. I am gay. I'm broke as shit. I have a judgment against me from some bitch down in Florida. All this is paid for by the committee of Joe Exotic Speaks for America. And it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's like... And John Oliver is like okay, this is a guy you'd want to have a beer with and then have a lot of beers and then have, like, a bunch of more beers and then you're drunk enough to try meth for the first time. And <laughs> James Gerritsen was like, that went to his head. He didn't care that they were making fun of him. He just cared well, they were talking about him. Exactly. Joe is the, the definition of, what is that saying, where it's like... um, Any publicity is good. Like, it does not matter. If somebody is talking about you, if you're getting attention, great. (laughs) It does Mm -hmm, not matter mm -hmm. what tone or the connotation behind it. And everybody was making fun of him throughout this entire thing. And he's like, yes, people are talking about me. Yeah, exactly. It's, It's such the like, if a guy is like, you know, you're really stupid, but I think you're pretty. And then all you hear is he says I'm pretty. Like, Exactly. That's that. Dumb and dumber. Exactly. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And then we meet Joe's campaign manager, which I was equally surprised by this because I was like He hired a campaign manager? Like I don't know. I was I was very floored by this whole thing. And and the guy took the job, well, like I know. I know. The the thing is though cuz I mean this is all a dumpster fire for sure. Like this entire episode, Joe's running for everything is a dumpster fire. Joshua Dial, the campaign manager, did... He was given a dumpster fire and did the best he could with it. And I feel bad for him and... I mean, he actually did a fantastic fucking job. I mean, I've just... With what he was given? My gosh. Absolutely. And I was really surprised just... Because he said he was a manager at Walmart when he met Joe and he would talk to Joe because Joe would come in and buy like ammunition and guns and shit. So he worked in the gun department, I guess. And they would talk all the time and he would talk to him about his political aspirations and all that kind of stuff. And I guess Joshua Dial had, you could tell that Joshua's political, um, I'm forgetting the word words again, like knowledge or whatever. (laughs) I don't know. Um, was his platform. His level was much higher or his understanding and all of that was much higher than Joe's was. He could tell that he had a lot more knowledge about it in their conversations. So he's like, who do I know? I feel like Joe and I are akin in this fashion. I don't go like if I have talked to people over the course of whatever about something and then I need help with that something. I'm like, I talked to this one guy about it one time you're hired. I don't, I don't need your <laughs> references. I don't need nothing. I just like, you, I talked to you about it one time. You seem like you had a basic understanding of it. You, you've got it. I know you can do this. And like, because it was nothing. It was just like, leave your job at Walmart. And this poor guy was like, that's my dream job. I've always wanted to be a campaign manager. And I'm like, oh man, but I mean, honestly, but looking back on, On it, he said that it was the worst experience of his entire life. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And that's got, honestly, like, when he first said that, I was like, I believe you. And then after I finished the episode, I was like, that was an understatement. There's no way to explain what a horrible experience that was for him. But he, and he was like, it was 100% a publicity stunt. He knew he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to, be the president like you know but when that fell apart he decided to run for governor and his whole tagline on that was it wasn't like i lost president so i'll run for governor he was just like i couldn't wait another four years so i wanted to run for governor now and And that's like the next best thing yeah oh and josh talked about the tannerite that he would buy and he's like it's just a thing that you shoot at and it explodes and then There's videos of Joe shooting at it. And Andrew and I had two very different reactions to that. My reaction was, why in the world? (laughs) I know exactly (laughs) the reactions. I was like, why in the world would somebody need to buy something that you can explode? And the explosion was big. I mean, for something you buy at Walmart. And Andrew was like, I want some of that so bad. And I was like, but why? He's like, because it's fun to blow shit up. I'm like, it's not safe. It's not safe. Definitely not safe. No. So Joe, as part of his campaign, started handing out condoms with his face on them. Yes. Sylvia Corkle, the reporter for the yeah. news, she was like, normally with politics, there's, she called it glad handing. I didn't know that that was a term. Baby kissing, like all of that. You know, I mean, what we've seen time and time again in movies and TV shows and in real life. And Joe's like, have a condom. And his tagline for it was vote for me or you need this because you're screwed. He <laughs> he Oh, okay. Okay. And it's clever. And he's handing them out to people with kids and the kids are looking he's at He's handing them, like, them out to kids. Yes. Yeah. And they're like, what's this? I do remember one time at a doctor's appointment in the waiting room. I was digging through my mom's, our mom's purse. She's your mom too, unfortunately. Um, but. <laughs> no, don't you put that on me <laughs> but yes we were in the waiting room and i was digging through mom's purse as one does when you're little and pulled out a condom and i'm like what's this and my mom was like oh god and you know took it and shuff, 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 like what are we doing here i didn't know what it was i did not know that story well now you do and i wish i wish i didn't know that story I can't live with that by myself. <laughs> I'm going to quote my almost 2-year-old son now. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's That's fair. horrible. Yeah, cuz the my my first memory of condoms is um pretty woman. Pretty woman. And when she, she's she got all the different colors and she's letting him pick and I'm like, I would like, I want the pink lollipop because I assumed they were lollipops. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, yeah, hard candies. Fun time. She's like passing out candies. That's awesome for them. That is nice. And just yeah. really smart to keep them in your boot. Well, sure. Easy access. What if you forget your purse somewhere? Got my hard candies. <laughs> you never know. No so, big deal. Yeah. So he's handing out condoms. He's trying to make He's trying to make the jokes. He's trying to warm people up to the idea of a gay governor who does a little myth, who has a lot of exotic animals. And there's like this um, panel or something, a debate, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And you see him up there with all these dudes in, like, suits who are like, this is my fucking job. I'm here for real. Like, what are you doing here? And um, he's like, well, I'd love to introduce you to my wife, but my husband's at home feeding my baby kangaroo. And he starts laughing, and everybody's just like. Yeah, he's like, I've always wanted to say that. And everybody's like, we wish you didn't, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so uncomfortable. It's like an episode of The Office where you're like, oh God, oh no, 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 don't say this out loud. And he is has no idea that, No. I don't know. I guess the only saving grace for Joe in that moment is that he had no idea how uncomfortable he should have been. Yeah, I also think, okay, so the room that they were in, it, it seemed like not very many people were in it. The people there maybe were asleep, maybe were awake, I don't know. <laughs> but maybe were uh, mannequins that weren't even real. I don't I, know. I, we don't know. But Joe can be hard to understand sometimes, too, and he talks really fast. So I, Because I, I feel like he may have gotten a chuckle out of one or two, but I don't think they heard him. I don't think they understood him. And I don't know if they were awake, so <laughs> I'm not sure. But he also, so this was what, 2016? I mean, or 2015, in that area, that kind of a joke, East Nashville, rolling. It would work. Yeah. It would work, yes. It's just that area, I think probably it was just not ready for that either. Well, it was a very know-your-audience type of situation, and he just didn't. But I guess that's the beauty and the downfall of Joe Exotic, is that he is so tone-deaf <laughs> that he does not know. Mm-hmm. But And also, I think Joe, for, for him, he's like, it's not really um, a specific, like, Measured, I'm gonna throw this and it's gonna work. It's he's just throwing everything he's got, and if something sticks, it sticks. And that's mm-hmm. just, yeah, yeah, that's Joe Exotic. He yeah. was running as a libertarian, but Josh was like, we, We'll just call him Josh, right? It's, yeah, lot. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, he was like, He didn't know what a libertarian was, and he probably to this day still doesn't know what a libertarian is. And my definition Steven- of it is Ron Swanson. Exactly. <laughs> yes, so yes. I know. Yes. Stephen and I both were talking about this while we were watching it. And Stephen was like, because <laughs> Stephen in his little heart was like, please don't, don't be a libertarian because you're going to give libertarians a bad name. And then he came out as a libertarian and he's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not representing libertarians no. well. No, absolutely not. Um, one of my favorite episodes of or moments of Parks and Rec was when the little girl was, like, doing the report and she had to write, she had to interview, like, she interviewed Ron, Ron Swanson for her, like, fourth grade report or whatever. And her mom was super pissed and went up there and was like, what is this? And he's like, what? She's like, this is her report. And the report was called Why Does Government Matter? And her answer was, it doesn't. And he was like... <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> he's so proud, yeah, he was like has never been more proud, but, um, it. yeah, so that was supposed to be his platform. so it was like less government, you know, why does it matter? It doesn't less spending, um, but he is also using that to go against the big cat safety act. so meanwhile, while Joe's running for all of his offices. That bitch, Carol Baskin, went to Washington, <laughs> DC. And she's saying the only people who are opposing the Safety Act are those who are breeding cubs and using them as pay-to-play props. Here is here is the thing. Everybody in this documentary needs to take a class on what to wear out in public. What is appropriate, what is not appropriate if you're going and giving a presentation in front of legislators don't wear a flower crown no no or head to toe leopard print and clashy um i i i am a fan of leopard print sure. love it i've got plenty of articles of clothing that have leopard print when on i it. want to feel sexy i might wear a leopard print oh yes and you should but like a little um, like moderation, right? Yeah, you don't need to go head to toe, Leopard. And that's what Carol, that bitch Carol does. And it's like, her pants are one, her shoes are one, her shirt is one, and then she tops it off with a flower crown. Right. It's a look. It's a look. Um, however, I will tell you that in the podcast, they talk about the night that Carol and Howard met. And oh. Carol went to this, like, benefit or um, a very fancy event. I don't know what it was exactly uh, for some aquarium thing or whatever. And that's the night she met Howard. But she was wearing no animal print that night. She was wearing a black pantsuit. What? So she has worn the I bet that pantsuit would have been fantastic for this presentation. Well, that's where that's that's the exact outfit that you need for something like this. A pantsuit, a tasteful pantsuit. I don't get it. I would I would pay good money for a photo album of Carol and Howard. I don't want to see the documentary about their lives or like the reality show, but I would I would look at photos all day long because you know they've done a lot of photo shoots. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Also, they talked about um honestly in that episode, you like them as a couple. Like you like that they met. Wait, the documentary? I mean, uh, the podcast? In the podcast, yeah. Because, okay. like, they're talking about it. And it's actually, it's a really sweet story. And Carol had, you know, been in bad relationships in the past. And she said that Howard was just so completely different from anybody that she'd been with. And so, you know, the pictures of their wedding that were, like, the fuck? They oh, do say, I remember the pictures of the wedding? Yeah. So... Carol said that when she met Howard, he was in a very conservatively tailored suit. And when she saw him, she was like, "Okay, I bet I could loosen that guy up a little bit. Obviously, he's like a little, you know, kind of rigid. And um, so when they got married for their wedding, he was supposed to be wearing a tux when she goes out there. Like he's supposed to be waiting for her at the altar um, or, you know, whatever, because of the beach. And he wasn't there. And she said that she got worried for a little bit and thought he'd had cold feet because he'd never been married before. And she thought, okay, he decided against this. Well, he surprised her with those wearing the caveman suit. And he brought the collar and the leash being like, okay, you finally tamed me. So I think it was his way of being like, I can be fun too. Okay. What Puts I got from that was, on it, right? he's real f- freaky naughty. I'm sure. I'm it's a sure. glimpse into their sex life that I never wanted. No, because you know that that leash and collar got used again that night. 100%. And probably is still a fixture. It's a recurring character. I don't... I Can we talk about something else now? I think Big Cat Rescue should be selling... Collars and whips and leashes in their gift shop. It 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 would pair well with the sex lube. It really. <laughs> they could work together. That's true. We should true. end big cat breeding and just really ramp up the human kind. Y- okay. No, I actually really enjoyed that. <laughs> the right amount. Okay. So yeah. So I just thought it was interesting, like to kind of see a little bit different. But all that to say, she can wear something other than cat print. It happened at least once that we know of. Um, but what she was wearing to this presentation, I did not appreciate. No. She says that people like Doc Antle take exotic animals into courthouses and get them in front of lawmakers. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, so Doc Antle shows up and he's like, you have to vote against this bill because look at what I'm doing. And now you got to take a picture with a chimp. And now you got to take a picture with a baby cub. And she says those lawmakers think, well, if I vote against this now and say it's cruel to do these things i've done it and now i'm in a bad situation i'll look like a hypocrite so i have to i have to keep it in place or whatever and it's and she even comments on the genius behind that because doc antel is like you look under your chair no you look under your chair everybody look under their chair it's a baby tiger like he's you know throwing out baby animal cubs all over the place yeah and really banking on that. Oh, absolutely. Doc Antle is one of the worst human beings I've ever witnessed. Yeah, if he would just use his, I don't even like calling him a genius. It, if he would use that in, for good, he could be an amazing person. But he's just such a fucking douchebag. I just hate him. Well, his, he's put way too much emphasis on his own penis is the thing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's again. I, I, feel I mean, like it directs everything that he does. He's got to be this like have all these sex slaves, essentially. For sure, you're not wrong about it. I just never wanted to. you talk about his. Now you're thinking about his penis. penis. A little bit. I, I don't want I am to. Too. I don't imagine it looks good. Mm-mm. That's why you gotta no cover it up with. Tigers. It probably has. It has a ponytail for sure, <laughs> oh, and. <my> <laughs> Facial hair with no mustache. that's what his penis looks like. Yuck. Okay, yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Uh, let's go to the yeah. state fair. Joe is at the state fair. He is handing out bumper stickers or something. He, oh yeah, is talking to people. Um, he's doing the shaking hands. He's inviting people to the zoo. He um, hes of the mind that the more he gets out there, the more people are going to want to come to the zoo. And Jeff is like, of course it's not going to do that. In fact, it hurt business at the zoo. Like, it's not making anything any better. But then he says, you know, that he had put all these signs up in the gift shop that was like, you know, his uh, campaign signs or whatever. And Jeff was like, dude, you just need to take these down. Like, your focus is not on the animals. Like, we need to get back there. And then he said, Joe just turned into a little bitch. And I was like, Mm -hmm. pot, uh this is the kettle you're black (laughs) exactly (laughs) well and i mean definitely joe's focus was not on the animals at this point but it wasn't on the animals for the majority of the time that the documentary has been being exactly that's what i was thinking i was like are you okay if you even had the notion that his focus was on the animals when you met him then you weren't paying attention his focus has always been on only himself and propelling his star mm -hmm. power he was already filming mm-hmm. a documentary when you met him about him, not the animals. <laughs> like Exactly. You know, yeah. yeah, he's never cared about the animals. I think he likes having the animals, but for the same reason Doc Antle likes having the animals. It makes them feel more powerful. It makes them... and they think that they look good next to mm-hmm. them. Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. So yeah, there is a point. So at, at this point, everybody, it seems like everybody's hating Joe. Like, Jeff said that he and that James Garrettson guy would go off in the middle of the park and talk shit about Joe all the time. Alan Glover fucking hates him. They're getting in fights all the time. Joe's flying off the handle all the time. Like, all these things. And then he goes into a tiger cage to film a campaign video, I think. And he's walking around, and this one tiger keeps, like, sniffing at his shoes. And, like, swiping with this big old paw, you know, just like... Yeah trying to yeah and he's like okay get out of here get out of here and then she starts going kind of getting really aggressive with it and she starts biting at him he starts like trying to hit her with the thing she drags him down then another tiger or whatever these are are these ligers i don't know what they are start getting i think it's a mix of a few different ones okay so it's i mean it could have been a pretty dangerous situation but you zoom out it was disturbing to watch though honestly yeah. cuz i you know my heart's racing and i'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god cuz they they drag him like it's nothing you oh, know yeah of course they could they could eat him in one bite like and you zoom out and there's people filming cuz it's obviously it's being filmed there's people filming this happening and not one person goes in there to help him and it's like okay like Nobody helps him, and Joe has his gun, and he shoots, like, out into the air a couple times, but he, when he's leaving the cage, he tells the, the one tiger, he's like, I'll shoot you right in between your fucking eyes, or something like that, but, I mean, because obviously the tiger understands what he's saying. (laughs) Right. Well, how many times have I, I've never said that, I would never say that to any animal or any person, I, I'm not Joe Exotic, but I've definitely had full-on conversations with my dog before, so, both of them. So. But I don't know if they were trying because they sprinkle in throughout this episode for sure that Joe is becoming more and more paranoid. But I don't know if this is paranoia because you got to think about it. I mean, if let's just say I was in the situation and a tiger or a liger or whatever drags me around and there's like obviously 25 people just watching it happen and nobody helps me. I'm like, okay. You guys don't even give a shit if I die or not. Like, what are you supposed to think? I don't necessarily know that this is paranoia. Yeah. He was pretty positive that somebody put cologne on his shoes, and that's why the animal yeah. got so into it. And everybody that they talk to is like, that's not gonna make that's not gonna make a tiger attack your shoe. Like, there's no scent. And Carol says the only thing that would maybe make a tiger wanna come over to you like that is to rub sardine oil all over you, which doesn't she also say that about if she was going to get the tigers to eat her husband, she would have had to put sardine oil all over him. Like, I'm pretty sure this is the second time she said that, but, um, yeah, but everybody seems to agree that there's not anything you're going to put on the shoes. that's going to make a tiger do that. However, it is disturbing that nobody helped him. They're just filming it. Very much. So, I don't know. I, yeah, it would hurt my feelings at the very least. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, sure, it's, he's kind of an asshole, but you don't, you're not, they could have possibly sat there and watched him get eaten alive, like, I don't know, it just seems mm-hmm. ridiculous. It's so much bigger than that, yeah. Josh said that his mood swings were significant. He said, and John Rinke says too, that Joe was Super controlling that if John Finley went to visit his brother in Texas, Joe either wouldn't let him go or wanted him back the same day. And Rinky is like, I don't know how much love was involved. Like, Joe was buying these guys guns, cars, four-wheelers, like, all kinds of stuff. All kinds of drugs. Drugs. Um, They were both 19 when they met Joe. Like, this is... This is not, I don't know if Joe felt like, I don't think Joe felt like that it was really love because I think he, I think he did it on purpose. I think he was a predator, but, um, is like a 19 year old boy just wants to party, especially, especially Travis and John Finley who were already on drugs. Well, yeah, they were like walking the wild side already. So it's not surprising at all that they would be the type of 19 year old guys that want to like, yeah. They said Travis didn't really work at the zoo. He just rode four-wheelers and shotguns. And Jeff said Joe kept Travis pumped full of weed so he wouldn't wake up realizing that this wasn't a real life to live. And there's a video. I thought this was very strange, too. Where Joe is talking about... um, I don't even know what he's talking about, but he's, like, shooting a gun, like, it, it, not even necessarily in the air, kind of in people's direction, and he's telling them, like, to run and oh, stuff. Oh, for sure. But Cheryl, which is Travis's mom, is there. She seems to work at the zoo at this point, because she's wearing, like, a, a zoo-ish looking outfit. And she's laughing. Well, it depends on where where you work. If you're at Doc Antle's zoo, That is a spandex suit that looks like you are in the musical Cats. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But Joe says he's had his days of drinking, his days of coke, his days of meth. So he's definitely drugged the hell up at the zoo Mm -hmm. with a gun on his hip shooting into the air. Travis is shooting guns all over the place. Travis is pointing guns at people. This is a very dangerous situation. And... Yes. This is when they finally get into the whole meth situation, which we all knew. They danced around it, but this is, yeah. Yeah, we all knew because the sheriff was like, you know, for some reason the meth grabs onto your teeth and it gives you what's called meth mouth. There's meth mouth and there's Mountain Dew teeth. Mountain Dew teeth is a step underneath, but meth mouth is like full-fledged. Oh, just yeah. Just in case you're not from Alabama. Alabama. So... uh, <laughs> They um they talked to John and John is like yeah meth is the main one we did and that it was really starting to fuck him up in the head and he says he's still kind of fucked up in the head from it. Um f- Okay, here's a question. Finley said that Travis would smoke his meth. What other is there another way to do? It? What does that mean? Are you supposed to do it a different way? I is there snorting it? I don't know. He just. Do you mix it up like a smoothie, like a like a like a protein shake? I don't, I don't know. I mean, but yeah, because he said it almost like that's weird. He would smoke his like. Is that why his teeth didn't fall out? I don't know. All right, questions. Somebody let us know how was yes. the appropriate way to do meth. <laughs> um, asking for a friend. So. They, okay, so Tim Stark, that son of a bitch, said that Joe was smart. And when he saw a boy on meth, he'd say, come here, I'll provide your meth. Like he could, he knew when somebody was already hooked on drugs. And so then he becomes the source that can give it to you. And then those people will do anything that they want. And like, when I was talking to Andrew about it, because we were watching it, he was like, but because everybody's like, look, they weren't gay. John wasn't gay. Travis wasn't gay. They were just getting their drugs Mm -mm. and their whatever. And Andrew was like... The only person that was actually gay is Joe. And Andrew was like, but if if they married a man, like, don't you think they have to be a little bit gay? Like, don't you have to be gay in, in a way or whatever? And I was like, no, not necessarily, because there's lots of... It puts a hold on you in a situation that you'll do anything to get it. Like... I think that was just a a means to an end for their addiction. They just put up with it so that they could stay on drugs. It was was their entire life at that point. And to take Mm -hmm. advantage of that, you're supposed to love these people, and you're supposed to care about these people, but you won't let them leave the park. You won't let them talk to their family anymore. You're completely isolating them as much as you can. You're controlling every move that they make, and then you're keeping them absolutely pumped full of drugs when – The right thing to do for them would be to get them in a rehab program or something. Like, you're doing this on purpose. Right. Absolutely. But they said Travis was banging the girl at the front desk. and Well, he was banging everybody. Oh, that's right. He was banging everybody. John was banging the girl at the front desk. And he ended up getting her pregnant. And left Joe for her. And Joe was pissed. And he was like, well, if he'd left me for another guy, I'd be like, okay, well, game on. Like, I can I can beat that. But he left me for a woman. I, like, I can't compete with that. I can't do that. It's like, yeah, because he's not gay. <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. But that's, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it, I know that Joe knew through the, throughout the entire thing, these men that he has married are not gay. But he didn't want to confront that or he didn't want to, like, he didn't want to own that. So what do you have to do? You have to keep them so drugged up that they won't even realize or go there. You know what I mean? Like, Because if they, if they were going into a rehab facility or program or whatever, they're going to have to be honest with themselves in all areas, and then that would not have served Joe at all. I mean, we know that. Right, yeah. It's just like... <laughs> i don't know the toxicity yeah of all of this is so i don't know yeah it's bad. well and he even says like in an interview i fell in love with straight guys like he he knows he want everybody knows he knows like and kirkman was like i told joe several times travis wasn't gay like it's kirkum not kirkman oh (laughs) sorry i'm so sorry did i say kirkman (laughs) wow so, sure yeah, it's it's not a secret. Everybody at the park knows that Travis and John aren't gay. Well, yeah, and they're not even really trying that hard. From what they what other people are saying, they didn't try very hard to hide it either. Because they're, like, getting busted, banging girls. Everybody knew about it, yeah. In tiger cages, yeah, was, maybe. I don't it know, wasn't yeah. wasn't a secret. Mm-mm. There's been a lot of, like, when we've been doing the Netflix parties and stuff, people have been like, where is Travis? We don't ever talk to Travis. Why are we not talking to Travis? Something's wrong here. And we're getting a lot. And it's it's been Travis light the whole time. There's not been a whole lot of Travis. Mm-hmm. But now we see a lot of video that Travis had recorded. I'm not sure who's recording it. Seems like somebody's following him around with a video camera. And he's saying that Joe, he wants Joe to see this footage. He says that Joe doesn't pay attention to him. He doesn't listen to him and that he might listen for a few minutes and then he walks away, that Joe doesn't care about him, that he doesn't listen to his problems and like all this kind of stuff. And then he like punches a semi-trailer like m- many times. Like a whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Bam, 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 Hard. Punches are hard. Very hard. That's something about boys. I feel like it's a boy thing. I don't know many girls that just punch things just to punch them, but I don't get it. I don't either. If I went up and punched something, I'd be like, ah! (laughs) Like, kiss it. Give it a kiss. Ouch. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I feel like I would be like on The Wedding Singer, that old man that punches and he uses all of his might to punch and then... He's like, sorry, I'm not as strong as I used to be because it would feel like being kissed with a feather. Yeah, pretty much. I want to be strong, but I don't think that I am. I'm not. I'm like negative muscles. Yeah, definitely. I haven't eaten my spinach yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That I'm, sa- I'm so sad. I said that out loud. Okay, so <laughs> um, Josh Dial said that, and we talked about this. That Joe would see a man that was a meth addict and. He took that and used it to be with him. That's how he got what he wanted. So here's my, here's exactly where my issue falls with him saying that Jeff Lowe has to pay people to have sex with him. That may be true. Jeff Lowe does have to pay people to have sex with him, but so does Joe. I don't see anybody. The, the currency is different. Yeah, the currency is different, but, but it's, it's still the currency. Same. Yeah. Josh said that there was a day that Josh is sitting in the office and you see this footage. So he says, Travis is sitting directly under the camera and the camera is pointed at Josh. So you don't ever see Travis, but he, they are having a conversation. You see that Josh is talking to somebody. So he's sitting there doing whatever he's mm-hmm. doing. He turns to face whoever is talking to him. He's having a conversation. And you can see it looks like a back and forth because he'll say something, wait, say something, whatever. And he's like, you know, Travis pointed guns at people all the time he would wake you up that way he'd come into my bedroom and have a gun pointed at me and he's like and i would be like dude you cannot point guns at people and travis would say well this is a ruger like you know it can't fire without a clip there's no clip in it or whatever and he'd you know point guns people freeze motherfucker like whatever and just even having that conversation i'm like josh (laughs) josh seems like he got sucked into something it's like it's like Hurting toddlers is what it sounds like. Why do I have to explain to people why you shouldn't be pointing guns everywhere? You know, like in people's faces. faces. Yes, exactly. I've had to have this conversation with him multiple times, but drugs are a hell of a thing. 100%. And the scary thing is, I mean, all these people are, they're adults. They are drugged out of their fucking minds. And then we're like, oh, it's like the Pablo Francisco um, stand-up, or he's like, "Uh," like on Jerry Springer, and he's like, here's somebody, here's here's a knife, somebody do something with the knife, here's a gun. Like, that's what they're all doing. So they're like, well, this is crazy, but what if we gave them explosives? Uh, Yeah, exactly. Well, and the only, the only really um footage we see of travis up until this episode he is he's very much drugged out of his mind i mean there's one where his eyes are just like he's just sitting there and he's like like i can't even get my face to do what his face was doing but he's definitely he's definitely super 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 fucked up on something like well and the the this the progression of just his appearance like when he first gets there and you see him on the screen and he's doing that interview and joe's like you know tell him how big your hands are tell him blah blah, blah." and he looks kind of put together right he looks like just this fresh-faced kid well then you go further and he looks like his hair is a mess it's very like matted and you know whatever he's put on some weight um He's just haggard looking. And it, this doesn't seem like it's a, that long of a span. What, two years? Four years? Something like that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think four years. It's, it's not that long. I mean, he's aged 20 <laughs> years in four years. Absolutely. Yeah. So Josh is like, we're having this conversation. He's complaining about Joe. He's complaining about, you know... Same kind of stuff he's he's not happy, he's saying Joe won't let him leave the park and all this stuff, and he's like and all of this is true he Joe doesn't let him leave the park. he feels like a prisoner here, and he's like again, like he's done many times, he puts the gun to his head, and you see the flash, and you see Josh's face fall, and he's just sitting there and he's like this, and his jaw is dropped, and he sits like that for a good amount of time. You can see that in his mind he's like. This isn't happening. This isn't... Ha- He's in shock. He he has not processed... He hasn't taken any of that information in yet. It's so disturbing. Well, it happened so quickly. Yes. And you can see on Josh's face, like... Because you obviously you can't see. Thank God you cannot see Travis during this. But... You see Josh, because at first he's, like, kind of smile like, okay, this is a f- weird but funny prank, and then it registers, and then there's nothing, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then all he, of the emotions. Yeah, and then he finally gets up, and he's, like, you can see that he's, like, wake up, like, he's, he's starting to freak out. Yeah, Frantic. absolutely. Yes. And, and he's, like, you know, the first second I knew he was dead, but at the same time I didn't like, kind of believe it, you know? Like, like you said, at first you kind of yeah. thought it was a, a prank. And they have Travis's funeral. This is what, like, all of the other stuff that Joe has done, the lawsuits and all of these things, I don't, I didn't like him. In this moment, I hated him. Like, hated mm-hmm. him. Because he's wearing, first of all, a clerical collar, which he is also wearing in the Here Kitty Kitty video. But Yes. Joe, that's not a tie you wear to formal events or whatever. That's not what that is. Um, No. He's got a black cowboy hat on, and he's like, we're going to make this not a day of mourning, but a day of celebration to celebrate the life of Travis Maldonado. And I asked him every day, I said, why me? He said, because God put me here to make you smile, and that's my job. And it didn't matter how stupid he had to get. If I was sitting there concentrating as short as I could on the computer to write a letter to a senator or a congressman or something else, he'd run come and rub them balls in my face. <laughs> and everybody that works here knows exactly what I'm talking about because you've seen his balls. They were like golden nuggets to that boy. <laughs> this old town. And then he started singing. Oh, geez. Well, that's sweet of you to... That's generous. It's sweet well, to, for you to go along right. with the charade, right? Yeah. And Cheryl Maldonado, Travis's mom, said that Joe had to do a show wherever he goes, whatever he does. And she's like, at the funeral, he was acting. And she's like, this was the worst thing in my entire life was losing my son. And she said that Joe was only a year like older than her and she thought it was odd. But if Travis was happy then she was going to accept it. And I'm just very confused because it's not like, it's not like she was completely separated from them and didn't know what was going on. She knew what was going on. She had to have known her son was drugged out of his mind. And if we're being honest... Well, she was at the zoo. (laughs) Exactly. She was at the zoo. And if we're being honest, if she's not on drugs anymore, she seems like she was before. So maybe Joe was providing both of them. Maybe. I mean, I just don't see how, as a parent, you're like, okay, you know, I didn't think my son was gay, but, you know, if he comes out as gay, I'm going to love him, accept him, you know, all that stuff. Great. That's not what this was. This was, when's the last time you saw your son leave the park? Is your son a person who does not like to be in prison? Because most people are. Like, you didn't think that was weird? Yeah. You know, like. Or like. When was the last time you saw him do anything productive with his life or his day? Because all he's doing is riding around on four wheelers, apparently smoking a lot of meth and shooting guns like that. That's not a life to live, you know, like, yeah, it's he's so young and he's like (sighs) floundering at best. Yeah, definitely. And just the whole the funeral, that whole situation felt so disgusting and Joe is... Because it was disgusting. Yeah, and Joe <laughs> is very clearly being like, this is about me. This is an opportunity 100%. for me to get in front of people and put on a performance so everybody can be like, wow, you did a really great job with that song. I don't know what he's looking for, but it's disgusting. Well, and even in... Okay, so his uh, eulogy... Again, I feel like a lot of things that we we use to describe Joe and this whole thing is it's, it's generous. Um, the eulogy, he's like the balls. That's just so inappropriate. I could like puke. But also, when he's like, you know, when I would I would sit down at my computer and I'd write a letter to a congressman or or the president or whatever, and I'm like, okay, so let's circle back to your political career. You know, like exactly, (laughs) he's filtering that in, and then he like goes on the news and you know talking about, I guess talking about his run for governor or whatever. But he says to the guy he wanted talking about Travis, he wanted so badly to support me, my political career, running for governor of the state of Oklahoma, because he always said, "Hun, if anybody could get the people in this state to love and respect each other, it would be you." This was 100% the scene from America's Sweethearts where my love, Billy Crystals, says when he's (laughs) teaching Seth Green how to be a publicist and how to put on a press junket for a movie. And he's like, nothing stops you from this press junket. Your mother dies, gets run over by a car. You get on the camera and you say, it's a shame. She would have loved this movie. That's what you say. That's exactly what he did there. That's exactly, that's, I could not have thought of a more perfect as reference for this as exact. As soon he said yeah. that, I was like, oh my God, Billy Crystal, America sweet <laughs> that's exactly what it was, and it's just like, obviously, this is a well-known publicist thing that's like, the show must go on, whatever happens, you have to do, but somebody, either Joe just knows to do that, but uh, it was exactly that. I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. So, yep. now we get a little bit more on Jeff Lowe. Jeff has now gone off to Vegas because he's I'm not really know why. I guess because he said he was ready to kill Joe. They weren't getting along. But if, if Jeff really was the sole owner and didn't need Joe there, then why didn't he just kick Joe out? But whatever. They weren't getting along. So he leased a spot on Las Vegas Boulevard, and they made this, like, bus thing and called it a jungle bus. It's like a party bus, but with tiger cubs, too. Or whatever. Yes. And they would haul people from casino to casino and let them play with Cubs while they were doing it. And he said, we thought it would be a good idea, but we were wrong. It was a big fucking mistake. He doesn't elaborate on that. But, like, no shit. I mean, in what world did you think that this was going to be a lucrative business opportunity for you? I don't know. All I can think of is drugs were fueling the idea machine that was going on here. Because it's like, yeah, okay. Because, I mean, obviously, they're very not or they they know that the tiger cubs are what or whatever cub is going to bring people in right they're like that's the the magic behind everything i'm just so sad for these little baby tiger cubs because can you imagine i mean good god go carting people from casino to casino and then they're like and here's a tiger cub and this poor little baby tiger cub is like um why is this drunk ass person rub you know like and the music it's is so, so loud. irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. And there's like strobe lighting. Yes. And stuff like it just cannot be good for these animals. It's like it's like taking a an infant, you know, and being like, OK, let's bring an infant on a party bus. Like that's not an appropriate environment for a tiger cub. Not like, even a little bit. No. Whatever. So fuck them. Joe now has a white tiger cum na- cub named Travis that was born two days after Travis died And he's leading Eric Good through his house as he's getting ready for his first date since Travis has died. So this is, I don't know how long after Travis has died, but he's got this like light box lamp by his bed with Travis's ashes in it. And it's like lit up next to his bed. It's weird. He's getting changed. He says he's got to tuck his Prince Albert in, which, of course, he has that. All of the people in this documentary make it impossible for you to not think about their genitalia because all they do is talk about it. Yeah. And yeah. And Pierce it, it's just front of mind for sure. Um, top of mind, whatever. So Joe goes on a date with a guy named Dylan Passage, who is another 100% straight looking dude. And fourteen yes. years? No, not that. Sorry, uh, he's like eighteen, nineteen. Exactly, years old. he's super young. What is that? Where is he meeting these people? Well, they met in a chat room, I guess. But like, that's. And he said, Joe said it took him a while to convince Dylan to go out with him. And yeah, I just don't. I mean, the amount of ass that Joe Exotic has been able to pull is. Impressive. And he says that Dylan, he and Dylan went to dinner and then Dylan never went home. They're going on a date, but Joe is doing an appearance for campaign, like an appearance for his campaign for governor at like some kind of a fair. They're doing a parade. Yes. And it's like a Christmas parade or something. Yes. Yeah. They're putting like Christmas lights all over. They've got tigers in a cage, like up on the float, I guess. And... Dylan says he wants to be in the thing with the tigers. And so they do, they do the parade and then I guess they have their date. But Josh was like, when Travis died, Joe didn't give a fuck about the campaign, not about his family, not about anything. All he cared about was that he find a companion. He needed somebody to be with him and he wasn't satisfied till he got it. So then he found Dylan and he starts coming back. He starts bouncing back. And... Dylan said, Joe's energy is so strong. When he proposed to me, it wasn't something I could think about. I just had to say, like, I'm just going to go with the flow. I just, I had to say yes. And Cheryl Maldonado said that two months after Travis died, Joe married Dylan. So I should not have been surprised that Joe married Dylan because obviously that's what he does, but when it just came out of left field so much for me, where I was like, Wait, what? We're already talking about marriage. You he and uh, you had to say yes. I just don't get it. I do not get it. And it's not like I it's, think it's a lot of things at play here, right? Yeah. Like it's the tigers, the drugs, the I don't know, the Prince Albert. I don't know. I'm I'm lost. I'm swimming. I'm at a loss. Like, yeah, because it's not like we're talking about two or three years down the road. We're talking about a couple months. A couple months since Travis died. Right. It's not like we're talking about years. We're talking about a a couple months since he died. So he meets Dylan how long after Travis passes away? Then, I mean, your clock there is like, if he meets him a week after, then it's closer to the two month mark before they get engaged or married. If he meets him a month after, they've known each other four weeks and they're married. But that's what you got to do, too. Mm -hmm. You have to lock them in as quickly as you can. yeah, before they can, like, come to their senses and be like, what are we doing here? He invited Cheryl to this wedding. And Cheryl's like, okay, you know, because she, I think she did view him as as family at that point because her son had been married to him for four years. So she's like, okay, you know, I'll go there and support him. She's like, I thought this was going to be an actual wedding. It was just me, basically the people who officiated, and them. And so she's like, I'm taking these pictures. And you see the pictures. She's uncomfortable in this picture. She is not happy about where she is. And she's like, that was his way of saying, you can't say anything about this. Travis's mom is fine with it. So you should be, too. Yeah, because they posted all those pictures on social media to be like, OK, well, we're moving on because everything is a publicity stunt for Joe. Absolutely. And he, he strategically plans every single move like he knows mm-hmm. exactly what he's doing. So Josh said when he finally started feeling like Joe was listening to him and doing what he told him to do. Joe was like, Josh, what do we do if we win? And he's like, haven't you thought about this before? <laughs> like, I mean, because I guess. Yeah, it's like all of a sudden he's like, oh, wait, I'm running for governor. Yeah. What what should I be? And, he, you know, he's been very just he curses and, you know, all the things. He, I don't either. He never thought he was going to win. Or he was just like, I'm going to come in guns blazing and we'll see what happens. But um, yeah. <laughs> they interviewed people. So here's the thing. I, in that, um, popcast thing, the guy, Knox, was like, okay, what percentage, because the, the girls that he's doing it with hadn't seen this episode yet, so they didn't know, like, at the point that they were recording it, they didn't know, like, the percentage or whatever. So he's like, what percentage do you think that Joe Exotic had in the polls for governor? And one of them was like 2% and one of them was like 0.2%. And he was like, what would you say about 19%? And they were like, oh, my God. I mean, we, Andrew and I were both like, (laughs) that's pretty amazing, actually. (laughs) that he So, like, Josh did a good fucking job. To take Joe Exotic to get 19% of the vote there, that's better than, what's his name? Ross, guy with the big ears, Uh, Ross Perot. Okay. You don't remember Ross Perot? He no. was, like, the, um, he tried to run for president a few times. This was in the 90s, and, um, he, I don't think he was a right in Maybe he was, but he was always the, like, independent candidate or whatever. And he was, like, bless his heart, he really, really tried. He had giant ears, but he never did very well in the polls, but he kept trying. But, um, well, I mean, I mean, 19% is not, not bad. no. So at this point, so he loses, of course. Um, And Saf says that this is where he lost his path and what his priorities should be. He just got lost. She said it wasn't about the, he said, it wasn't about the animals anymore. Everything was falling apart. Um, Eric Cowie said the passion was there, but he lost it. And Josh was like, you could always read Joe. He didn't have a poker face. We knew something was going on. He was already paranoid, but he's like, it it wasn't unfounded because they found this like big antenna thing on top of the gift shop. And it was obviously like Josh was like, I'm not going to pretend to be this um, technological expert or something. I don't know. Um, yes he says wizard but he's like i knew it was a listening device i knew it was something listening to us and then so like eric good is filming the documentary and he's talking to jeff and jeff lowe keeps answering the phone and talking to people and he's like oh yeah and she said this and and he said that and that's when i hear joe was under some federal investigation and um he's like i don't know they were just talking about it here one morning and then Eric Good, he, he, he like just keeps taking phone calls. Like there's another call he takes too. And so Eric Good is talking to somebody at the end and he's like, I just interviewed Jeff Lowe and he's getting calls from a federal agent over and over. And Jeff's like, who the hell still talks to Joe that would even like, he's putting, he's putting in bits and pieces of these conversations of like leading us, I guess, to maybe what's going on. Obviously Joe's in prison now. So something's Mm -hmm. happening. Cats yeah, out of the bag, but there, this right? is this is putting those pieces together. I think a little bit, or like it, at what point in the story that investigation starts, and and this is all brand new information because you see Eric Good and he's like, wait, what? What is it, what is happening? Yeah, right Eric now? doesn't seem to know that anything had been going on, and whoever he's talking to on the phone says, I mean, it was sort of funny when they started, but it's gotten really dark, and that's episode five. Yeah. So something's happening. Woof. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. major. Um, well, there you go. Yeah. Wow. We really hit a brick wall with that one. That was a very abrupt, uh, ending. abrupt yeah, ending. It sure is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you yep. know, thanks for going on this journey with us. And um, we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.